This is the Chiefs' official podcast network. Take advantage of the day. When you get an opportunity in this game, you make a play. The playmakers on three. One, two, three. Touchdown, Kansas City. The Chiefs are right in the thick of it, baby. Welcome to the rally version of Defending the Kingdom. Mitch Holters with you, voice of the Chiefs, along with 10-year NFL veteran Sean Barber, a.k.a. Barbershop, a.k.a. The Shop. And, you know, our podcast network is brought to you by 360 Vodka. Right here in Kansas City, made right here, perfect for your tailgating, the official vodka of the Kansas City Chiefs. All right, it is time to rally. One thing I've learned about the National Football League, I've only been in it 26 years, but one thing I have learned, and even studying the 100-year history of this league, is how teams and players can rally around challenging circumstances to play at a higher level than maybe they thought possible, or because of the urgency of the matter, jump their game up. Now, we don't know, as we record this podcast, whether Patrick Mahomes will be able to play against the Packers on Sunday night football or not. So let's give you that a disclaimer to begin with. But even if he does, we all know what happened a week ago uh, on Thursday night, on Thursday night football in Denver. If Matt Moore has to play or Mahomes has to play, let's talk about rallying, Barbershop, and the fact that I've seen it time and time again in this league where guys will rally to that spot and say, we'll figure this out. Yeah, I know you, you're going to mention a few of the uh, historically great rallies that the Chiefs were involved in, but if we just go back to last week against the Denver Broncos, it was amazing to see um, with, with your leader falling and grabbing his head and grabbing his leg and not sure he's going to be able to um, get up or you know telling the cart get out of here. Um, one one of those this um, this this images of emotion of a leader just telling like like man I'm walking off this field. There's no way a cart or anything else is going to take me off this field. I'm gonna walk off this field and I expect you guys to go finish this game. Um, it was at a point in the game where the Denver Broncos definitely could have took the momentum at home up at Mile High. Um, and there could have been something to there, you know, smelling blood in the water. The defense could have really started coming after us, blitzing us, offensively going back to the ground and pound, um, thinking, oh, they don't have their lead. They don't have their uh, Pat Mahomes. They, they, the magic is gone, so let's, let's try to steal this game back. There was none of that. The defense stepped on their throat. The defense took control of the game. We just kept coming. It was so, it was so good to see those guys so passionate and hungry about getting after the quarterback and stopping that run game that people would say uh, we had been bleeding for a few years, for a few weeks um, due to the run game, as many, as many run yards, run attempts we was giving up per game um, to go to Denver and to stop that bleeding and then get after uh, the Joe Flacco and get after that quarterback uh, for nine sacks. Uh, that was a testament to a defense rallying to a, a, a moment in time where they were needed. Well, and to your point, and while we're on that game, we're in the first quarter here of this portion of the Defending the Kingdom, and it's the rally version of the show. The defense, though, said, will take it upon themselves. I sensed in that stadium doing the play-by-play, it's only 13-6. to They don't have Mahomes. All Denver needs is one fluky play. Get Cortland Sutton behind the defense. It's tied at 13. Now the place is a firestorm or a return or a scoop and score or whatever. Or maybe they get Matt Moore to get a turnover. Mm -hmm. All right. The defense all of a sudden goes to another level. They go to another level. Spags' call, the way they execute it, 
and Anthony Hitchens goes there and rips the ball free, and Raglan picks it up and runs it in. I said that took the oxygen out of one lung of that Denver crowd because it's now two touchdowns. You need two flukish plays if that's the case. And then the coup de grace taking the, long, uh, the oxygen out of the second lung was the uh, wheel route, the shallow wheel that Matt threw to Tyreek Hill. And special teams elevated their game. That's the best special teams performance of the year. Fewer penalties, 36-yard punt return, coverage, great punts by Colquitt, great job by Bucker. But, like, everybody raised their level after Mahomes was injured. Yeah, you, you hear about, like, some people who have loss of a sense, right? If you lose the, your vision or you lose hearing how the other senses intensify and start to pick up. That's kind of what our, what our team did with the loss of our leader. And he, he was down for a little bit, down but not out, um, but just chose to – um, they, t- they chose to not put him back in the game. Um, you saw everybody, it was a sense of urgency, a sense of uh, a heightened focus and attention to detail um, throughout the defense and special teams, and also on the offensive side. They knew they had to give uh, more, a little bit more time. They had to keep the pocket a little bit cleaner for him um, and let him get his feet wet and let him get going, let him get some momentum um, b- behind the offense. So they, they, they knew 13 points was not going to be enough to keep the Denver Broncos uh, from winning that ball game. And um, Cheetah came through, man, got behind the defense. Once he caught the ball, outrun uh, Chris Harris Jr., uh, shoot him the, the, the deuces, and uh, <laughs> the rest is history. But the young guys, too, on defense was encouraging. That carries over to this week. When I watched the video and saw Derek Nottie clog the line of scrimmage, I saw Rashad Fenton come in as the dimeback and make, like, three terrific plays, including a blitz, a coverage play, another coverage play. Then you saw the veterans, Frank Clark or the Honey Badger. I said Badger in the box uh, with Tyron Matthew playing in the box a lot, Sorensen, others. It was all coming together, young guys and older guys. They're going to have to do it again in this Packer game, maybe plus-plus. But still, the point here is, in this league, guys will rally around a certain situation. I've seen it time and again. Yeah, the, the linebackers, we, you know, not to overlook them, um, Hitchens getting back in there and getting back in the saddle running the defense. Reggie Raglan, right? Uh, he's been almost a forgotten soldier. People wanted to write him off. Um, whether he's playing a defensive end position or middle linebacker, wherever he is, he's just shown that, hey, I'm still, a, I'm still an effective player here in the league. I, I, I can get things done at a high level. Um, put me in, coach. Let me go. Let me, let me go make some plays. Um, and the reins were kind of taken off so, so, so many of these guys – and they, they showed up. They showed up in the stat books. They showed up uh, on the field making big plays, sacks, strip fumbles, uh, touchdowns, scoring a touchdown. You saw the raglan shuffle, the two-step he did at once he got into the end zone, um, and then making a sack later on in the game. I mean, I feel so great for those guys because uh, they've been under so much scrutiny and pressure by everybody about their performance in the first uh, five weeks of the season. Now, this final portion of the first quarter of our this episode of Defending the Kingdom, which is our rally episode, has to deal with some history. I'm going to put in a little plug here. Before the game, um, on our Facebook Live show, I'm going to – you and BJ are going to toss to me, but I'm going to show some examples of rallying or improbable victories. And it's interesting, in the short history between the Chiefs and Packers, it includes the Green Bay Packers. One of those you're involved in. The Chiefs had no chance at winning at Lambeau Field. Brett Favre's the quarterback, having a nice day, and the, and the Packers are up by 17 points in the fourth quarter. Now, you rally to a circumstance. Sometimes it can be an injury. Sometimes it can be, no, this isn't over. We're going to figure this out. And the entire team responds. I'm going to bring up, this is just, just a snippet. You can follow this whole thing. Sunday, we want you to, to see this. But one of the plays that's so forgotten in that was Jerome Woods 
a 79-yard pick six against Favre. The Chiefs offense had scored, but the Packer offense is right. They're at the 20-yard line. A field goal puts them back up by, what, like 13. He runs it all the way back. So, again, it was the elevation of a player or a team uh, that comes to the rescue at the most desperate moment. Man, that, 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 that was a, that's a signified team, uh, that 0-3 team, that defense. Um, as you know, we took a lot of scrutiny about giving up a lot of yardage and points, um, but we stuck tight. We knew the philosophy of that defense was to create turnovers, um, to try to get more possessions for our offense. We knew we had a top three, I think maybe the top offense in the league with Al Saunders, Trent Green, Tony Gonzalez. Offensive um, line. Yeah, yeah, Priest Holmes. Oh, my gosh, the, that offensive the, line. The probably best offensive line in the history of football. Um, and so we defensively just wanted to create turnovers, create habit, get them to turn the ball over at a high rate to create more possessions for our offense. That game we were down. It was fourth quarter we was down. Um, but defensively there was no quit. We were still reacting to the ball, cr- trying to create turnovers, and Jerome Woods came up with a big pick six. Uh, like you said, that, that's a 14-point that's a turnaround. Instead of them going in for a touchdown, we score. We're back in the game. Um, somehow we, we nudged that game to overtime. Um, and then the rest was history, man. The rest was history. Second biggest forgotten play of that game. People, will go, what are they going to remember about that game? What do they remember? This is this. They're going to remember what? The overtime pass from oh, Trent boo. Green to Kennedy. Yeah, yeah. Right? Touchdown against Boo Jow Jow, whatever that guy's name was. The most forgotten, a uh, second most forgotten play after the Romy Woods pick six. I ain't going to tell you. I'm going to make you watch it on Sunday night. <laughs> you watch it on our show, and I will tell you. The second biggest play people have forgotten about, but rallying in the past. All right, right. we shift gears now, go to the second quarter of this episode of Defending the Kingdom, which is rally. Rallying past, rallying present. You've already hit on a lot of it. We hit a lot of it with the defense. But let's talk about rallying now on offense. Could be Patrick playing. Yep, he's ahead of schedule. I'm just going to leave it at that. Or it could be Matt. Now, one thing, when Matt came in uh, into the game on Thursday night a week ago against uh, Denver, I was wondering – because Coach ran 1,100 plays in St. Joe, right? Matt didn't run a play. He was coaching the Hart High School 7-on-7 seven seven or something. I wondered how much of the offense Coach would really call with him. Is there like 10 plays he can run, and we're just going to like hope we can glide out here? I didn't see any throttle down much at all. Like Coach is looking at that laminated sheet, and the shallow wheel is like a page 15 play. That's yeah. down in the corner where he saves stuff. But the rest of the team, I thought, on offense, we've already talked how the defense rallied, but I thought offensively the rest of this team rallied to Matt Moore. Man, I think it's like riding a bike, man. Like, you know, you never, you never really forget how to balance that bike, how to get those pedals and the steering wheel and, everything, and, the, and the handlebars all together when you're trying to make it down the street. Uh, Matt Moore is a guy, man. He's, he's been a veteran in this league. He's, he's been a part of some really good programs. Uh, he knows philosophy. He knows play calling. He knows how to control a huddle. Uh, all those details about uh, being a signal caller, he do it secondhand. He, do, he does it by nature. So I think when they brought him into the building, they knew he had all those things. It just They didn't know he was going to need to call him, put him um, against Denver at Denver um, so, so, so quickly. And so uh, he answered. He rallied. He answered the call. Uh, having to come in uh, for when Pat Mahomes um, and giving the offensive coordinator the, the – the, ability to call, to open up the playbook and keep calling the same type of plays. Uh, that's just a testament of, of his, ad, his, 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 you know, uh, his ability to uh, just, just filter in and, and be fluent um, in an offense that's already one of the uh, most difficult, complicated offenses in the league. Another great example is Travis Kelsey. Because in that game, doing the play-by-play, I'm thinking right now the Chiefs' first downs are like touchdowns. Yes. It's 20-6. to six. 
But the Chiefs would, if we just eat five minutes a clock and shift the field some, because the Chiefs were backed up. He didn't get the ball at 50-yard line. He's back at like the 14. I'm thinking first downs. Kelsey was a third and six, stretches out the football and gets six and a half yards. <laughs> and to me, that was, those are those forgotten plays. We see the wheel route for the touchdown to Tyreek Hill. But Kelsey's thinking at this time, a first down here is like a touchdown. I'm going to know where the sticks are. I'm going to run my route to the sticks. Then the dude's going to hit me, and I'm going to get the ball just past the sticks because right now that means 90 more seconds we can run off if we get a first down. Again, a vet move. Um, How many times do we hear about a receiver running a route too short, Um, needing eight yards and then running an eight-yard route? Um, that, that, gives, that gives no leeway, um, and when you got to come back to the ball, you end up being a half yard short. Um, Kelsey ran that yard just deep enough to make sure he could catch it, and then he held out the ball to ensure that we got a great spot so we wouldn't have to use a challenge. Um, that's just another vet move, man. Like, there's so many guys in, in this locker room that are able to step up to the call and answer the bell time and time again, uh, making big play, big play. Uh, like I said, every, every, every mentality when the offense goes on the field, it should be one thing, first down, First down, touchdown. It should always be trying to get two first downs to turn the field. After we get two first downs, we get past Matt Field, uh, middle of the field. It's about getting into the end zone. Um, it's about scoring six, not three. Um, but those two first downs, getting that momentum going, um, allowing the, you know Dustin to know, hey, if I need to punt it, I'm going to be able to pin him inside the 10-yard line like he does so eloquently. Um, that's the mentality that most offenses in this league don't have the uh, ability, the capability, the, the skill level, the personnel to – to have that mentality, they, 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 would, they would feel the pressure of the moment and, and probably sometimes crumble. But this offense is, um, I mean, they rallied. They, they did what they supposed to did um, to make sure we, we walked out of Denver with a win. Colquitt, I'm glad you brought him up because you could sense with him too, hey, they need one of my – I got to give one of my Colquitt specials yeah. here. I got to flip the field. It's got to be hang time. We got to cover it and go drill that guy. And he did it time and time again when after – Mahomes left the game, and that's what we're talking about here is rallying all the way around, uh, depending on who, no matter who the quarterback is on Sunday Night Football against the Packers. All right, here we're at halftime. You know how it works on defending the kingdom. NFL halftimes are only 12 minutes, not high school halftime at 20. You see a band and all that. Nope, none of that. You get to taste an orange, go to the best, and in the podcast, you get a second. There. Now we go to the third quarter of this Defending the Kingdom rally version of the podcast, and that has to do with rally future. When I've seen teams have this, it becomes a point uh, of definition for a team. Okay. When they're faced with, uh, and let's be honest, 11 of the 22 starters have missed significant time in the first seven games of the year for the Chiefs, and they're setting at 5-2. and two. But let's just take the Denver game and this Green Bay game coming up. To me, after the Denver game, there was some greater good that could define the rest of the season. We mentioned young guys like Fenton and Derek Nottie stepping up. Or a defense now having a surge of confidence. What about rallying from a certain point that becomes like the nucleus of an atom that takes you through months or weeks and months and maybe well into the playoffs? Well, you, you know you got leaders on Every level of that defense, right? You got Frank Clark leading the front line. You got Hitch, Hitman Hitchison uh, leading the linebackers. Then you got Honey Badger in the secondary. And it's, I know them guys have been kind of biting their tongues every week because no one likes giving up those running yards. Mm-hmm. No one likes giving up uh, the, those points when you don't need to. Um, you, ex- you have a level of expectation um, that you're expected to play, and you want to be a part of a great defense. And so after week in and week out, 
of offensively, just you know, our offense doing the job, doing what needs to be done, and then having two home uh, games where you felt like we just we couldn't stop the run when we needed to to get the ball back to our offense, and that's what let us down here at home against the Texans and the Colts, and having a chance to right the ship, uh, having a chance to uh, uh, rally to the call, rally, rally, rally the guys around. Um, at this moment in time, um, the defense made such a big statement. Um, right, right in front of everybody. Right, it made a, a, a statement uh, against a divisional opponent um, that had been running the ball very well. That had been doing some really good things on mm-hmm. offense. Uh, so you can't take that away from our defense. You got to uh, at, at, on the road being able to stop Denver from what they were doing uh, so well with Lindsey uh, and Freeman, uh, and, and all that came to a stop. Everybody played their goal. They played their their gaps, their responsibilities. But it was the fight in the, the in the dog. It was the the way they finish, the focus and the attitude of that defense is what made it down and down again. They came up to make really big plays throughout that game. And this is a little bit of uh, rallying present, rallying to the future. Playing Aaron Rodgers this week. Oh yeah, phenomenal. But how much does that prepare you? You're going to play Philip Rivers here in a couple of weeks. But how much does that prepare you in playing Brady yes, right. again? This defense. Has not played this group of defense has not played Brady. Okay, this is a group that's been put together with free agency, young guys, older guys. They've all maybe some of them have played Brady at one time, but not as collective as a defense. Yeah. I'm just saying Aaron Rodgers this week and rallying to try to beat him and try to figure it out, which would be hard to do. But there's a greater good, is there not, in playing this game that could help you weeks and months ahead? Uh, right now, Aaron Rodgers is. I mean, he, he's hitting on all all sudden. Right, he got he got six wins for his teams. Um, he had six touchdowns last week. Uh, he only threw six incomplete. But like he, so he's hitting in on all cylinders right now, right? He's doing he's doing things that that um, uh, you know you you say he's he's playing at at an at AA level, right? His QBR last week was one fifty eight point three, the highest it can be. Um, so he's going to come into Arrowhead feeling uh, real good about himself. Uh, defensively, that's what you want. You you want a, you want a man at his best. I don't I don't want a guy coming in with their second string quarterback or or a, a Pro Bowl quarterback who's coming off a three interception game. He's got to find refine himself. Now I, I I want the best of the best because once the season's over, it's time to go to playoff. Every week you're going to get the best. You're going to get somebody's best effort in the playoffs. And if you don't arise to the occasion in the playoffs, you go home. There is no next week. And so for the future of this team to rally. It begins this Sunday against one Aaron Rodgers uh, um, um, and Aaron Jones, um, MBS, the wide receiver, uh, taking out that offensive line uh, that's going to try to run the ball and, and pass protect on those deep play action pass and give Rodgers 20, 30 yards of, uh, of a free pocket area to step up in. Um, and defensively, we got to just continue to penetrate that pocket, um, um, get them moving on the run. Um, you got to hit the quarterback, hit these running backs. Um, don't don't let a resurgence of one Jimmy Graham. Uh, he's been like a, a phoenix in the rising, right from the dead. He's been uh, a resurgence of his career this season. Um, we got to put these guys in their play. We got we got to make sure that they have to earn every yard, every first down, every touchdown, a field goal for four quarters straight, and then you let the scoreboard take care of itself. But defensively, that, that mentality has to be uh, that they fight um, every snap of the, of the game. Packers are 6-1, and one, but Rodgers has been sacked 12 times. He has lost two fumbles. 
He's not an interception thrower. Never has been. In fact, he's got the best uh, ratio of touchdowns interception ratio in NFL history. And and people ask me all the time, who's Patrick remind you of? And it, it is Rodgers. But Bakhtiari, the left tackle, good player. Uh, but three false starts, four holds, has struggled at times. Elton Jenkins, their left guard, the rookie, has three holds, has given up a sack, and two false starts. Billy Turner, the right guard, was the Broncos guy. He got hammered last year here for two sacks uh, by the Chiefs. So, and, and Marquez Valdez-Scantling, you mentioned the MVS. He's, they're, they're good players. They're really good players. But I'm telling you, if you rally, you have a chance to win this game. I mean, that's kind of the theme of what we're trying to say here. This isn't a game that's impossible. Like, you got no shot. I, I don't care who's quarterback. You yeah, we, can win this game. And we heard the scenario before, right? In 2011, we heard the same scenario, right? The vaulted <laughs> Worse. Packers Worse. Uh, are coming in, and they're, you know, they're undefeated, and uh, they, get, they get this great winning streak. They're, they're the, you know, the top team in the NFC, uh, Super Bowl bound, and, and we were just the lonely Chiefs, and our team rose up. They rose up for one of the greatest victories here in Arrowhead that I've seen over the last decade um, to turn around and take that game. And we rallied behind who, who at quarterback? Kyle Orton. Kyle Orton. And his number was number eight. If Matt has to play, it might be 15, but if Matt has to play, his number is? Number eight, baby. Eight. Now, there's more coming, but that's gonna, you have to wait for it till Sunday morning or Sunday night when we run the show before the game. You and BJ are just going to have to pay attention to my segment now because you hit on something, but three of the most improbable victories in Chiefs history, three, came against this Packer team, and you only play them every four years because in all three cases, it was what we're talking about with the theme of this podcast. It was a rally in all three phases. There are forgotten plays in all three of those games that I'm going to talk about, but to your point, Tom Bahali had three sacks in that game. It Amazing. was Aaron Rodgers that was quarterbacking. Amazing. It wasn't the backup cat. It was Aaron Rodgers. It wasn't like Matt Flynn or one of those guys. And the fact that they were 13-0, they had won 19 straight games, they were the Super Bowl champions, and the Chiefs, I think, had a .0003 chance of winning. <laughs> okay? So, here you go to Sunday night. And so, rally past, rally present, rally future. But I also think, too, that there's just some things – being put in place, because you're going to start to get guys back here off this injured list. And when you do, it's going to be like working out um, scar tissue. You're going to be ready to build and be a better team going into the last uh, two months of the season to me. Yeah, in the fourth quarter, we're going to talk about they got to figure it out, right? they, they yep. got to figure out a way to get this win. Uh, we're not worried about – Well, let's go there now. Fourth quarter. Here we are, fourth quarter and our Defending the Kingdom rally version – and a reminder, our whole podcast network brought to you by 360 Vodka, made right here in Kansas City. Here we go. Now we've got to figure it out. Fourth quarter, crunch time. Rodgers, one of the best fourth quarter quarterbacks in the history of the game. We're saying the Chiefs have a chance. How do you figure it out? Now, you said these guys come out from injury. We've got Fisher coming back. Uh, we've got Chris Jones coming back. Maybe a, a healthy Sammy Watkins coming back on offense. Um, guys are just getting back into the fold, getting back so we can be full strength. Uh, you want to see what a team has. Let, let's, see, let's see full strength. Let, let, let our full strength team as the Chiefs go against the full strength team of the Packers, and let's battle it out to see um, um, who, who is one of the most uh, feared teams in the NFL this year. And however the scoreboard, however it all works out, um, we'll, I, I'm confident we'll walk away feeling uh, like we can hold our heads up and that our team is going to battle like no other uh, come Sunday night here in Arrowhead Stadium. And that – 
tell you, that's got a greater good to it. Uh, the other thing is when you think about the injuries and the guys coming back potentially, you have to think about it. It, it has been since the first couple series of the Jacksonville game in week one since all these guys have been back together. Tyreek went out really early in that game. Yeah. Fisher goes out in the first series of the Oakland game in week two. So those two haven't really been together since like the first couple snaps of the entire season. Then one, And then Watkins went out. I mean – there hasn't been all of the pieces fit together since they ran on the field in Jacksonville. And my point is, you're getting back to that point where they're going to be back. And that's when this team becomes, to me, very, very dangerous in trying to figure out the, the near future and the long-term future. Well, the fourth quarter is definitely the most important quarter in any game. That's when you win a game, right? It's, it's the, those when penalize, uh, penalties and touchdowns are magnified because that, that's, that dic- uh, dictates what's going to be the final score of the game. Uh, the same thing happens in the football season. Uh, you want to start fast. You want to get out to a good lead. You want to get out. Uh, hopefully you can you know, lead your division, uh, have some divisional wins. But in the meat of the season, the middle of the season, you're going to face some really tough com- uh, opponents. And you want to match up against those guys and, and, and really get a guy's best shot. You want to, you want to know what it's going to be like going against the NFC teams. Um, we got we got the Packers coming into town. Then we got the Minnesota Vikings. Both of those teams, um, the, the Vikings running game. The, uh, the, uh, Minnesota has a great defense. Um, Green Bay's defense, we haven't gave them any love, but they've been one of the uh, surprises of the year so far, mm-hmm. uh, the way they've been getting after the ball on defense. So um, we got a great test coming up this this Sunday, and I expect our guys to really react and respond um, with a championship effort. As we close out uh, this rally edition of Defending the Kingdom, one more area I want to go over with you, and it deals with the Packer offense against the Chiefs defense, and it deals with our fourth quarter of figuring it out. One of the things that I've seen Aaron Rodgers do for years is a favorite Brady trick, a favorite Peyton Manning trick. He gets you his personnel on the field where you have to match the personnel that he wants you to have on the field. For example, this fullback, I loved him at Northwestern, Dan Vitale. He's now had 320-plus catches. They can go big, fullback and a tailback, halfback, if you will, and a tight end in Graham. That means you have to go big. What does Rodgers do? He, if he likes you in that, he'll keep you in that. Then he goes to tempo. And now, all of a sudden, you're on a treadmill that's going 15.0 at 10.0 elevation. And you cannot slow it down. Figure it out. Yeah, tempo is tough to do, um, especially if they do it the entire ball game. Um, you look at the Packers when they started the season against the Bears. Um, that was a game that often struggled to find any kind of consistency, except for the one series. Um, I think it was a four-play series that Aaron Rodgers ended up scoring the touchdown. That ended up being the difference of the game where they actually went tempo. They uh, sped things up. Uh, kept the the personnel, like you said, kept the personnel of the Bears they wanted on the field, and Aaron Rodgers took control of the offense, audibled, um, and went through the you know, and they scored that 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 that, that series. The rest of the game, though, when they have to make plays and and uh, play calls and try to make adjustments. Um, so defensively, what I do against a team, or what I think a team should do against any kind of offense that wants to go tempo, is uh, we become the dictator. We be, we out aggressive them. We have more uh, guys up at the line of scrimmage. Uh, the thing about tempo, you gotta you gotta set the front, the coverage. Um, you gotta determine who do you want the bigs to block, who do you want the linebackers to, to uh, pick up. Well, defensively, we can make we can make our fronts and coverages look a lot different uh, when you're not coming out of the huddle. Uh, we can put eight guys on the line of scrimmage and dare you to still pass the ball. Uh, we can do some run blitzing. There's a lot of different things we can do from that front and coverage aspect that if you don't have the coach talking to your ear and you're at the ball trying to make all the adjustments and the play calls, um, there's only so much a quarterback can see. 
Um, and he, he's not allowing that offense coordinator to call the play the way he wants to. Um, hey, sometimes you say you live by the three, you die by the three. Uh, you live by no tempo, up tempo, and sometimes um, that can be the cause of your your demise. Since you gave a basketball analogy, I've said tempo football is like fast break basketball. You break a fast break, you dunk it, and you'll kill a fast break. Uh, or a press defense, I should say, a press defense if they're pressing you. Same thing. You get a tempo offense off it, that's a 30-second possession. You get the ball right back, you can flip a game and take their innards out. Just saying. Two key guys to me in this, Anthony Hitchens wearing the green dot, making the calls, right? He's got to get everybody and switch it up maybe a little bit because you're going, the treadmill's going. The other one, Honey Badger, Tyron Matthew. He'll figure it out as well if he's against tempo offense, just saying. Yeah, no, and those are both two veteran guys who we expect to can, can handle that, uh, that, that tempo with, with, with the greatest fees. Uh, but I, I do expect, I mean, pressure busts pipes. And if, if we let Aaron Rodgers sit back there and drop back 15 yards and scan the field and have these deep crosses and double moves going, um, it doesn't matter who you have covering the guys, they're going to end up being open. Uh, but when you get free shots, you get a delayed blitz by a linebacker, a uh, guy beating a one-on-one, um, hopefully Chris Jones coming back in, being able to beat uh, their interior three one-on-ones, or Frank Clark coming off the edge. Uh, sometimes that deters a, a quarterback from wanting to go tempo, mm. um, especially when he's picking himself off the, off the ground after a big sack. So <laughs> if you want to yeah, have a, a solution for tempo, uh, go ahead and sack Aaron Rodgers. Barbershop, you ready to rally? Oh, man, let's go, man. I'm ready to go now. Mitch Holtis, voice of the Chiefs, ready to rally. Chiefs Kingdom, are you ready to rally? Thanks for listening to the Chiefs Official Podcast Network.